calling all new and emerging content creators in BC and Alberta. Applications for TELUS Story Hive are now open until February 28, 2023. Story Hive is celebrating their 10th anniversary with the Story Hive Anniversary Documentary Edition and is funding 80 short documentaries on any local story you are passionate about. You could receive $20,000 in production funding, training, and mentorship with distribution on TELUS Optic TV and Stream Plus. To learn more and apply, head to storyhive.com or head to the link in today's show notes. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll meet Serena Donovan. Serena is a proud wife, mother, and grandmother living and working on their family's grain farm near Mosley, Alberta. Although Serena grew up rurally, she did not have a direct connection to agriculture until later in life. Looking for a way to diversify their family's operation, in 2019, Serena began building her indoor cannabis facility, bringing farming indoors all year long. In February 2020, Because You Can was the second microcultivation licensed issued in Alberta by Health Canada and the 25th in the nation. In 2022, Serena expanded her cannabis business to include the Mary Jane Manor, the first cannabis boutique hotel in Canada. Having experienced judgment surrounding the stigma of cannabis and being a medical cannabis patient herself, she built out the hotel with the purpose to reduce the occurrence of negative stigma others may face in their cannabis consumption. Cannabis might not be a very traditional crop, but Serena is a proud farmer. I am so excited to share this episode with you and for you to get to know Serena and her story and the incredible work that she is doing, not only in growing her crops as a badass farmer, but also spreading awareness and education for those who use cannabis, not only medically, but also recreationally. This goes without saying that the content shared in this episode includes cannabis education and it is intended for an adult audience. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Serena. Serena, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you this morning? I'm great, Caitlin. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I am super excited to get to know you better and to dive into your story and share this incredible story and the journey that you've been on. So before I keep gushing over you, for those who are listening, who are unfamiliar with you, Serena, tell us about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and how you got your start in agriculture. Well, my name is Serena Donovan, and I married my husband, Ian Donovan, in 2009. He is a generational farmer in southern Alberta. We're located in Mosley. And I will admit, I knew nothing about farming prior to marrying him. I loved the idea of it. We blended a family of five children and... Being able to raise the kids on the farm has been 
a real pleasure. I've always kind of lived rurally and, and, and raised my children in rural communities, but there's something different about being able to just, you know, usher them out the door and they're good to go. And they have this ability to be outside and enjoying nature and enjoying the farm. And so I got, my start wasn't great, probably. I mean, I had to learn a lot. And as the years progressed, I actually got my own combine so I could help combine in the fields. And, and I would be starting meals in the morning in the crock pot and jumping onto the combine all day and coming in with everybody and doing supper and throwing the dishes on the counter and out the door, we'd go back to the combine and then I'd come back in and we'd clean it all up. And so harvest was probably my favorite, but obviously my most stressful time on the farm. And so, yeah, that was kind of my introduction to farming. I love that and can relate. And I'm sure everyone who has never been on a farm before and then thrown into that situation can also relate what do you think was like the biggest shock for you when it came to moving on to this farm? And like you said, you were blending families. So you had an idea of what a family looked like before, and now you're being put into this maybe a little bit different situation than you were used to. What was, what were kind of the biggest shocks for you? I think for me, the biggest shock about farming is what it actually takes, right? I mean, we take for granted that the loaf of bread in the grocery store has just been there. And, and when you get to see those little seeds in that big batch of the combine and, or the cedar rather, and, and you're putting it in the ground and then you're watching and hoping for rain and you're hoping for it to sprout. And then you get to see the little lines and you get to see it go through its harvest being able to kind of watch it blow in the wind. I grew up on Vancouver Island. And so it very much reminded me of being out on the water. And I loved that part of the season. And then, yeah, being able to go out and combine and have these great big hoppers full of of grain and then doing the whole, okay, now what do we do with it? Figuring out that we have to sit on grain because we can't just take it to the elevator when we want. Those were mind boggling conceptions for me to understand. and. The general public, unless you are kind of linked to a farm family or you have an interest in it, the general public doesn't look into things like that. And so, you know, those were big learning curves for me. Yeah. And I can attest to all of those. Those are huge learning curves. But you explained it beautifully about the visual aspects of farming and seeing seeds going into the ground and growing. And, you know, for people who didn't grow up around that, I don't I don't think that people who did grow up around that really understand like that visual thing was the reason I wanted to be a farmer and I wanted to be on the farm and running equipment and doing those things. It was something just clicks in your brain. I think when you see that for the first time, you're like, this is really cool. Like we get to have really cool jobs. (laughs) We sure do. We sure do. So you yourself, uh, you know, you got your own combine, you did all of the things, but you've um, kind of taken a different route in your farming career. So let's dive into it and uh, start from the beginning with us. What made you go down the path that you are on today when it comes to the type of farmer that you are? Well, it's a very windy path and it's it can be a very complicated path. And so I I will go back to childhood and I have suffered from migraines my entire life. And I remember being bedridden for days with dizziness and and extreme pain. And my mom, of course, was doing everything she could for me with really no result and no answers for why. And so as I got older, of course, I progressed into adulthood and into my 40s. I figured out that there was a lot more triggers for my for my migraines, I was suffering 16 days a month, every single month with migraine. And I, I tell this story quite often. And I I had a migraine day and night for seven days. Now remember, we're blending a family of five children, my husband was an MLA. And I'm trying to keep all things go on the farm at all times. And, and I had to pick up a prescription and I couldn't spell my last name. I was that disorientated that sick with with this pain. I made a doctor's appointment and I saw my doctor. She came in and 
She said, what can I do for you? I said, I just need someone to help me. And I burst into tears because I was so desperate. And she looked at me and she said, I think you need an antidepressant. And I remember my first reaction was anger that what she wanted to do was just prescribe me a little pill. And that was going to quote unquote, fix me. And it wasn't going to be a fix. There was no pharmaceutical combination of medication that I could take that would give me any relief from my migraines. I've been into eMERGE and had, you know, the shots of all of their pain meds and nothing was working. And I remember leaving her office. I ripped up the script, threw it in the garbage and was so utterly defeated. And I said, okay, I have, something has to change. I, I have to take my health into my hands. I'm very much a believer in preventative medicine. And I think if we look after ourselves the best we can, then we're not getting to the point where we're treating illness. And I've always been interested in alternative medicine, you know, seeing a chiropractor, seeing acupuncturist, a naturopath. And so I said, okay, I have to do some research on what else is out there for options for me. And I found a cannabis doctor in Calgary. I made an appointment. I did not tell my family. This was prior to legalization. And we, well, it was just, it was a no-go, right? I grew up in a very conservative home. We were raising our kids in a conservative home. This was a no-go. But I wanted to at least explore it and see if it was something that could possibly work for me. So I booked an appointment with a doctor in Calgary at Harvest Medical. And I got to the doctor's office. And I walked in and I looked around, hoping that I wasn't going to see anybody I knew and hoping that nobody was going to know who I was because of the stigma and the shame that I put on myself. And I saw this doctor and she said, you know what, I think you need to start with some really high CBD oil. And if you want to add some THC, those combinations of the two really seem to work well. And so let's play around with it. It's going to be a journey. It's not a quick fix like a pill but it can possibly offer you some, some relief. And so I, I got home, I made my first order with my medical provider, ordered some CBD oil, started taking it again, didn't say anything to my husband or my family about it. And within three months, I was down to two or three days of headache, manageable headache every two or three months. And so for me, it was complete an utter game changer. I, I had never been able to find that level of relief for that amount of time with any pharmaceutical. And certainly it would not have given me any relief from taking an antidepressant for something that I was, I mean, what she saw in that moment was a symptom and that's what she wanted to treat where I wanted to find out the why and how can we avoid what's going on. And so I honestly, I say this to a lot of people. I love the cannabis plant. She, she's got so many aspects and I call her she because she is a female plant and it's the female plant that gives us all of those wonderful health benefits. A male plant doesn't produce flower. And so she has given me back my life. I would not be where I am had I not found this cannabis plant. And so I help my husband on the farm, you know, we seasonally farm, right? We're outdoor grain farmers, dry land. In BC, we could get a couple of crops off the land here. We can't here. It's a one time. And I said to Ian, I said, you know, can I look at diversifying the farm? And he said, well, what would you want to do? I said, well, I'd like to look at seeing if we could farm indoors, something. I don't know what. And so that led me down the path of looking into indoor crops. And so Again, with this love for this plant, I took a marketing course at Mount Royal University for cannabis marketing. And then I took a plant production and facility management course. And I designed my facility. We have a 60 by 120 uh, cold storage building. It was dirt floors and exposed beam. It was just the shell that we used to park all of our equipment and semis in for the winter. And he let me use that building. And I built my indoor micro facility in that building on a little piece of graph paper. I planned where the lights were going to be. I planned where all my grow rooms were going to be and, and everything just came together. And so we submitted our application. We had to build this whole facility prior to submitting an application to Health Canada, which is huge risk, right? I mean, this is the only industry 
where you have to do a full build out before you can apply. It's not a matter of, okay, I'd like to grow cannabis. Can I do this? And they say, yes, these are all the things that you have to complete. When you've completed them, we'll issue you a license. You had to complete all of those things prior to applying. And so we applied in October of 2019 and we got our license in February of 2020. So we were our, we were the second licensed micro cultivation facility in Alberta and the 25th in the nation. Serena, that journey into something that could have been completely different for you is just, it really makes you think about, you know, what it takes to feel like a whole person. When you're telling me about, like you had said, they, the doctor was treating a symptom of what was obviously a very big issue for you. You know, if anybody here has ever experienced a migraine, they're awful. And luckily, maybe not luckily, but I, I get maybe for a year. But to hear that you were experiencing these debilitating migraines for over half of a month, like that, that is terrible. And I, I am so sorry that, you know, you had to live a lot of your life with those. And it's just not, it's not a good way to live. And it's funny to me, you know, we talk about growing up in conservative households or conservative areas. I, I definitely can say that I grew up in a conservative area and, you know, maybe not super strict conservative parents, but, you know, there was still always the stigma around marijuana and being, you know, if anybody remembers the D.A.R.E. program in Canada, it was, you know, it was the gateway drug and that was something that we were scared off of. And, you know, to each their own, however you feel about that. But when you finally did start to share with your family and friends that, you know, using cannabis was helping you, what was their reaction to that? Did you face the stigma from your family still, even though they saw the benefits that you were getting from it? I think, I think I put a lot of stigma and shame on myself, to be honest with you. Legalization was approaching. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'll be honest with you. The thought of legalization scared me as well. You know, I mean, because of the the verbiage around the cannabis, the marijuana plant, I, I grew up in it, right? I mean, I grew up in that whole dare program. And my mom was a psych nurse. She told my sister very often, my sister and I very often, she's never had a patient that has been thankful for drugs and alcohol. And this was considered a drug, whether it was a drug that, you know, people that she saw as patients were using or not really didn't matter. Right. I mean, we, we all as a society lumped cannabis in with all of the illicit drugs. And so when I, when I started talking about what I was doing, I mean, my kids are are coming up in a generation where this is way more acceptable, right? I, I wasn't facing stigma and judgment from my children. I certainly felt it from my peers, whether it was actual reality or not. But I will say that I put a lot of shame on myself. I found myself having to hide in the bathroom to, you know, take my CBD after lunch. I couldn't stand in public and, you know, puff on a CBD flower. I'm not a smoker. Those things were not socially acceptable for me. And so I ended up looking into getting capsules so that it, I mean, it's socially acceptable to swallow a pill, right? Nobody knows what it is. It could be a vitamin, it could be whatever. And so I ended up kind of changing a trajectory. And so when I was out, I would use a capsule. When I was home, I could use an oil or I could smoke some CBD flour. And so those things I had to allow myself to do, but I had to also release myself from that stigma. We didn't have any pushback from the community about building this facility. I don't like people weren't like, yeah, yeah, yay, this is awesome. But nobody was really dead set against it. And so we we were thankful in that way. And so it's just been a matter of now being part of that education piece, right? There's so much that we don't know about this plant. And I'm learning 
you know, our endocannabinoid system and the endocannabinoid system of this plant are meant to complement each other. The cannabis plant's purpose is to get us in a homeostasis state and so that our body can run all of its function systems at a balanced level instead of all of us running on this full tilt stress level that most of us do. And so my husband, you know, I mean, we, we, again, we are in a farming community. Alcohol is acceptable here, right? It, nobody bats an eye. Everybody's down at the local drinking hole every night of the week. And, and so he ended up at legalization, putting the alcohol away and turned to cannabis instead. And he has not drank for probably almost three years. He lost 60 pounds and is keeping it off. People see him in the street and go, what have you done? And he's not hurting. He, you know, he's a hockey player and he, his knees hurt all the time. He doesn't hurt now during the day and he's sleeping well. And we're waking up rested, not waking up because we've had too much wine last night because, you know, we needed to get a good night's sleep. And now we've got that kind of groggy hangover feeling in the morning. And so it's, it's completely done a 180 in our house. I mean, obviously, right. We, we grow cannabis. Our kids are involved in the grow side and the kids are involved in the other multiple cannabis businesses that we have on the go now. And so now this has become an everyday topic around our, our table and it's, it's completely changed. I will say though, I was at a cannabis conference in Vancouver beginning of January and I was wearing my Mary Jane Manor hoodie and it's got a great big cannabis leaf on the front. I was wearing it in the airport and, and I did still catch some looks and I was like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't be wearing this. And then I was like, no, I'm damn proud of what I've got going on right now. And yes, there's a recreational side to this plant and I partake in the recreational, but I rely on the medical side of this plant every single day. And I'm proud to say that I am. Yeah. And good for you for doing that. And it's funny. I think if you are Canadian and you are in the millennial or Gen Z era, I think you can remember where you were on October 17th, 2018, uh, when it did become legal in Canada. And at the time, I was working part-time at a gym. And I remember just kind of sitting around the desk talking to other co-workers and members of the gym and stuff. And we all just kind of sat there. And it was like, when the clock turned, it was like, now what? Like, now what do we do? We were kind of waiting. It was kind of like the millennial of like, or millennium of 1999. It's like the clock turns, then what? And, you know, nothing really happened. All of a sudden, instead of a liquor store being on every single corner, there was a marijuana store. And nothing really happened. It was just kind of a thing. And it made you really kind of question all of the stigma that has been built around it. And like you said, there is a recreational side really of everything. But, you know, if there is medical benefits to you for it, then like you said, nobody bats an eye when you take a pill in the street. So, you know. Well, and I think, I think as, a, as a society and as a whole, most cannabis consumers, we're not agitated people. Our egos are kind of dropped to the side. And, you know, alcohol, I have seen turn people into completely different people where, you know, my husband's got a favorite phrase that he's heard. And, you, you know, you get four guys at a bar and you get a bar fight and you get four guys smoking a joint and they start a band. It just is just different. Right. It it makes people more self-aware. I know for me in the past, I'll be honest. I mean, I've had a couple of drinks and I'm like, I'm fine to drive. I'll be fine. It's not that far. I haven't, but I have come off that way. And if I am at home after a long day and I, you know, have a couple of puffs off the joint, I am very aware that I cannot go anywhere. And I'm also very aware that I can't consume that product until I can be home and not have to go anywhere. So for me, I think, you know, stoners certainly have got a bad name in the past, but what I see on a daily basis is very high functioning people who use this plant to benefit themselves. And yes, obviously there's a recreational part of it. And, and so there should be, right. But it, it, yeah, we have not seen a demise 
of society by legalizing this plant. Yeah, for sure. So I want to go through the growing process for you in your indoor facility. Take us from seed to harvest. What does growing cannabis indoor look like for you? Okay. So, I mean, I'll, and I'll start right now. We try not to start from seed very often because seeds give us a different genetic of some kind. Every single seed has got a genetic, a different, the potential for a different genetic disposition. And so when we do start seed, we start three or four of one genetic, and then we take little cuts off of them. So it's called cloning. And we grow those clones out, we flower them out, and then we test the end product to see what we have for potency, THC, CBD levels, and and the terpenes, which are all those natural aromas and really the the health benefits to the plant. And so we, it's taken us a little while, I'll be honest, when we first started, we had to bring in what's called kind of outside genetics, we had to buy clones from nurseries. And we just had to we got what we got and we flowered them out and some were great and some were not. And we've learned very quickly that not all plants like to grow indoors. We are only licensed to grow indoors. And so it was very important for us to find a genetic that liked our grow rooms and liked our facility. So right now we have a genetic on the floor called Blue Blue Kush. And she is a cross between blueberry, Gorilla Glue and OG Kush. And those are all kind of old strains back in the day. And, and she loves, she loves our facility. She doesn't grow very tall. She gets to be about, you know, two and a half feet from the time we take cuts, takes about 14 days to root this plant and they go in these little domes. So we have to keep the humidity high. And I I liken it to the NICU where if we were to take that dome off, all those babies would die. We have to teach them how to breathe because they don't have any roots. And so we have to nurture them right from, from clone cut. And then we veg them. Veg is a, a term for basically it's a light cycle and the nutrient regime. And we veg for probably six to eight weeks. And the light cycle is 18 hours on, six hours off. And then we flip them to flower. And flip to flower is what we use because we flip the light schedule. We flip their photo period to 12 hours on and 12 hours off. And with a small nutrient change, that signals them to start to flower. And so that flower period is about eight weeks. So by the time your your start to finish, you're close to, you know, your four, four and a half, five months. And then we harvest everything. We harvest whole plant. We turn her upside down and hang her on trellis curtains and we dry for 14 days at 14 to 16 degrees and at 60% humidity so that it can lock in all of those wonderful compounds of the flower. And then we bucket off. So we have to cut all the bud off of the stems and then it cures for between two to three weeks. And then we send it out for testing. And so we have to pass all of the Health Canada regulatory testing. It cannot fail any pesticides. We're very regulated on what we can and cannot use on this plant. And so we test potency. We test for microbials. We test for aflatoxins and heavy metals and pesticides. And all of those things have to come back as passing before we are allowed to sell it to a provincial body or to a a medical platform. There is so many similarities between the marijuana plant and the plant that we grow a lot of on our farm, hemp. Uh, I call it marijuana's boring cousin because, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of fun things you can do with hemp. There's a lot of useful things you can do with hemp, but, you know, there's not really a recreational use of the hemp plant. So talk to us more about the testing process, what are you looking for when it comes to the marijuana plant? Like we, we talk about CBD and THC, maybe start with what the difference is between those two oils or those two different things that you can get between a marijuana plant and I guess a hemp plant too. Right. So I'll, I'll keep it as simple as I, I'm not the scientist. Perfect. THC is the component that will give you kind of that alteration or that elevation. Some people will, you know, get kind of a head high. Sativas, strains kind of give you a head high. I feel it very heavy in my frontal vortex. I get kind of a 
a warm feeling across my forehead. Then you also have an indica strain, which people say, you know, is kind of that into the couch or it gives you the couch walk. And it, it, for me, it completely de-stresses my body. I have no body pain whatsoever. I, I often, you know, complain that my hips are hurting. And so the THC gives you kind of those, those alterations. I, I consume very little, so I don't get a very extreme high, so to speak. And some people, you know, I mean, if you smoked a whole joint, you can get pretty high and then you get a little bit like, well, it's, it's, it's different than being elevated on alcohol. I will say that. And then CBD is the non-psychoactive properties of the cannabis plant. And so when we test, we are looking for what those levels are because we have to declare that to the government bodies. And we also have to declare that to the consumer. And so my business plan I did on full CBD products because I'm a CBD patient and I really believe in that plant. However, when the market came, well, when legalization hit and when I got my license, the market fell out of CBD and CBD went very much a medical route. And so the the market and all of us growers right now are unfortunately chasing the highest THC because that is what is selling. And that is what the consumer or the the provincial boards want. And so as much as this is not my passion, I am also very proud of what we've got going on. We've got some very high uh, THC strains on the floor right now. And they are great. They're wonderful. They're a wonderful smoke. Like I can literally have a puff off of this blue, blue kush and I'm out. Like it. I, it puts me to sleep. And again, I can wake up the next morning and feel energized and, and, and refreshed. And so those are the things that the testing is looking for, as well as ensuring that this product is safe for the consumer, because that, of course, is how Canada's mandate. Yeah. Well, and I think that can almost be said for any crop grown anywhere. You know, it's what the consumer wants. And that's why farmers grow the way that they do. For us, we're certified organic. There is a market for certified organic crops. That is what we grow. And, you know, it might not be what, like you said, a passion of yours for growing the highest THC content. It might not be what you personally would like to use, but there are people out there that would like to. So as farmers, we provide for our customers. So... Calling all new and emerging content creators in BC and Alberta. Applications for TELUS StoryHive are now open. In case you haven't heard of StoryHive, they've been supporting storytellers in Western Canada since 2013. This year, they are celebrating their 10th anniversary with their biggest edition yet. The StoryHive Anniversary Documentary Edition is funding 80 short documentaries on any local story you are passionate about. You could get $20,000 in production funding, training, and mentorship, and distribution on TELUS Optic TV and Stream Plus. If you live in BC or Alberta and have an idea for a short documentary, now is the time to send in your pitch. Send in your application by February 28, 2023 at storyhive.com apply. Your story, your narrative. Once your crops are harvested and they are ready to go to market, how are you marketing them and where are you marketing them? Well, that is the trickiest question because Health Canada does not let us market our products We have to be very, very careful. And Health Canada's mandate really is to protect youth, right? I mean, I've got five children. We've got five grandchildren. I don't want my grandchildren exposed to cannabis prior to their parents having that conversation with them. And so it is very, very difficult to differentiate yourself in today's market as a small micro. I mean, we we don't have the budget for big marketing campaigns. Marketing has to be done within an age-gated facility, so to speak. And so we are allowed to talk about our product in a dispensary. We are allowed to talk about our product on the floor here in the growth facility. And and then it's very, very tricky, right? I mean, we do use social media. We can show photos of the plant. We cannot show photos, obviously, of anybody consuming, but it's very difficult to be able to market. And so that right now is our biggest challenge. 
we, I, I was desperate and decided that we needed to open a dispensary so that we could have our product in a store local so that we could start building that story and we can say, you know, to our consumers that, that come in the store, hey, have you heard about because you can, we grow this product up the road. And everybody's eyes light up because it's like, oh, wow, this is like locally grown. And so we're, we're building it, right? Nothing comes fast. I mean, I'm sure you can like organic, well, it did take a huge craze, right? But it took, a, it takes a while. And people have to be able to build that trust in your in your business. And so I like the way that we can offer people to come and see how their product is grown because I think that adds a level of transparency to the industry that a, not a lot of large cannabis producers will allow the public, so to speak, into their facility. But it also then gives me the ability to really teach people what it takes to get that product in the package, much like you get to teach people what it takes to get that product from the field to the grocery store or whatever it looks like, right? I mean, the general consumer, it's not that they don't appreciate it. I think it's because they just don't have access to the education. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I've always said that, like, we don't know what they don't know and they don't know what we don't know. And, you know, it's just simply having conversations and sharing stories rather than being defensive and getting angry that people don't know. Well, of course they don't. Why would they? We don't know what they do in their industries. So why would we expect them to know the ins and outs of ours? So you've recently expanded your offerings in Mausley uh, when it comes to your business. So tell us about the Mary Jane Manor and what that's all about and all the good stuff that's happening. So Ian and I uh, purchased the local hotel and remember all my dates. Now I want to say it was October of 21 and we have quite a few solar projects going in at the North end of the County. And so originally we went in and we said, okay, let's just give this building a facelift. The bones of the building were still really good. It was built in 95, I believe. And so that was the original goal was give it a facelift and let's get it full. And then, you know, I often have some very difficult days at the grow and I go home and I literally cry in my soup trying to figure out what my next steps are. And I retreat to this plant to give me the, the ability to open my mind and creatively figure out a way around some things. And I really, one night was passionate about the education side of cannabis and how our hands are very, very tied in this market. And that there is a lot of people that are kind of curious, but they don't know where to turn or they don't know what to do. And so when we went back down, you know, we were doing the renovation and I said, okay, I, I need to figure out how we can be a cannabis boutique hotel so that we can offer a safe space for people to come and learn about cannabis, to host wellness retreats, to host yoga retreats, to host couples retreats. And then we are also going to apply for a research and development license. And so we can be doing some closed trials on cannabis for Health Canada, which is game changer for the industry, right? I mean, I have, I suffer from migraines. Let's do a migraine retreat. Let's do a sleep retreat and teach people how to use CBD and CBN and THC and CBN and the difference between the two compounds mixed together. CBN is a new cannabinoid on the market that's just been discovered and it is the sleep cannabinoid and it's a game changer. I thought I was sleeping and now I take my CBD, CBN and now I'm sleeping. CBG is also a, a cannabinoid that's just been discovered and it's for pain and CBD and CBG together are also a game changer for inflammation and for pain relief during the day with no intoxication. And so the Mary Jane Manor then kind of took a little turn, right? We were not going to just do a regular hotel. I made the bold move of saying, we're going to do this cannabis boutique hotel. And so that's what the Mary Jane Manor is. And so I've decorated it in terpene themed rooms and so you get a little bit of education on what your pinene terpene will bring you and your mycerine terpene will bring you and and some education on the cannabis plant 
and and we allow consumption and you know i mean there's so many methods of consumption now that's the other marvelous thing about this plant is that you know yes you can puff on a joint or you could do a bong rip but you could do an edible or a beverage topicals bath bombs like those the topicals and the bath bombs are wonderful because you cannot get high the thc does not cross that blood brain barrier through your skin and so topicals are very very popular in this area with with the aging farmers because they're looking for pain relief they don't want to be altered in any way but a topical can offer them that relief without consuming something and so it's been really cool to watch the community be open to it and to watch how it's kind of taking on a life of its own and we've got some women's retreats booked for uh, one for April and one for July and and yeah I hope to just continue to build and what it does is it gives it gives that place for the community the cannabis community and this local community a place to just gather and let's just talk about cannabis Let's talk about my experience. Let's talk about your experience, right? I mean, if you if you were able to come to a woman's retreat and you've never done an edible before, but maybe you wanted to try it, maybe you would feel comfortable enough in a group of your peers in that safe zone to try it. I'm I I'm well, I've suffered from anxiety my whole life. I'm literally the square in my family. And so I need that safe place to be able to try something for the first time because I need people who are safe around me to help me if something isn't comfortable. And and so that's what I want to be able to provide. My passion is women and my passion is empowering women. And I really want for this place to be a beautiful, safe space, no judgment for consumption, but no judgment for non-consumption either. We're certainly not pushing cannabis use by any means, but we're allowing it. And in that, we're allowing conversations to start and, and, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, I can hear the passion in your voice when it comes to the education piece and making people feel comfortable and, you know, making people feel comfortable that probably have no idea what they're asking or, maybe what they're asking seems silly to them. But like I've always said, you don't know what you don't know. And if you're not going to be kind of curious and ask, like ask the right people, like everybody's going to have their own different experiences and, you know, that's okay. But ask somebody who knows the science behind the plants and why they do what they do and how they could potentially help you in whichever way that you're looking for. So... I love that that saying canna curious that is that is a good one. <laughs> Serena for those listening who would like to learn more about the Mary Jane Manor and the offerings that you have where where can they find more info? They can find everything at www.maryjanemanor.ca. We do have a booking agent open. Rooms are available for rent now. There is a YouTube video that kind of does an overview of the property. We've added things. I'm always one that keeps adding, 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 adding. But it gives you kind of an, a really nice idea of the, the kind of tranquil but fun space that I wanted to provide for, for the community. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at, you know, some events in the winter. And obviously, summer through the spring, summer, fall is obviously the best because, you know, we can be outside doing yoga looking out over the canola fields and and all of those beautiful things and i've said to a few people that were there in the summer I, I i grew up on the ocean and i remember as a child feeling extremely invisible and extremely unimportant in this vast ocean and it it was hard at that point for me right i didn't as as children i don't think we want to feel invisible and it wasn't something that my parents certainly put on me but I, I was very aware of the vastness of how big the world is. And then you fast forward to now I live in the prairies and I can be outside on the deck at the Mary Jane Manor, looking out over the mountains, watching the sunset and feeling completely invisible and unimportant in the world. And I take solace in that now because it's just a nice way to kind of check out and realize that yes, 
as much as all of us have a lot going on, I think we also need to give ourselves permission to check out and tune in to ourselves. I made the bold decision very early on that we don't have TVs in bedrooms. And my husband was like, what? You have to have TVs. This is a hotel. And I said, no, I, I want people to pay attention to the people that you're with. I want, we all have devices, right? We can, we can log into Netflix wherever we are. I want for you to be concentrating on yourself and, and people around you and to, if nothing else, honor yourself while you're there and take whatever it is that you can learn with you until the next time when you come and we can meet again and do it again. That's awesome. That is so good. All right. We're going to do the rapid fire questions here. Today's rapid fire segment is brought to you by FCC. FCC empowers the next generation to find their place in the Canadian agriculture and food industry with financing, advisory services, transition resources, and networking opportunities. If you're under the age of 40, this is the opportunity you've been looking for. Learn more at fcc.ca slash next dash generation or head to the link in today's show notes. What is a tool on your farm that is most useful to you? Oh, gosh. I would say the biggest tool in this indoor farm is our pH meter because we have to pH everything before it hits our plants. So we are measuring its electroconductivity and its parts per million for, for fertilizer and the pH of the water. And so that is a tool that we could certainly not live without in, in the, in the cannabis facility. All right. What is the craziest misconception that you've heard about cannabis? Oh gosh, there's so many. I would say that, you know, THC is just bad, bad, bad. Someone told me once they had an edible when they were a teenager and they were, you know, stoned for days. I I certainly don't know what that product was. I mean, this person was now in their 50s and certainly what those products were back in in that person's teenage years were certainly different than what there is now. I think the general idea that cannabis is is bad, period, is, is probably the biggest misconception. Last one. If you could tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? I think it would be to be patient. I'm going to get emotional. We spend a lot of time pushing, pushing, pushing because we want something good and we want something fast. And I think that looking back, I certainly did not see myself in this industry. I certainly did not see myself being able to work with the people that I work with. And I, I could not run these businesses without my teams. And now the ability to be able to help people through some of their crisis times. My dad was diagnosed with, with a cancer in August of last year. And we found him a cannabis nurse. And, you know, this plant has been able to help our family through some really tough times and been able to bring us together. And so, yeah, looking back, to be able to tell my younger self one thing, it would be just let it be. Just let it be. And let it become what it needs to. And don't fight so hard. Because the fighting doesn't make it come any faster. That is a very wise thing to tell your younger self. And I think hearing that, sometimes I think we need to tell our current selves to make sure you're practicing that patience too. And especially in an industry like a lot of us work in, patience is definitely a virtue when it comes to agriculture and farming and ranching and all of the things. So that was a good one. Serena, my last question for you is, what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? Oh, being a rural woman, I I certainly, I mean, like you said, I grew up as a rural girl my whole life, but being a rural woman who has a voice, who can use her voice for the positive, I, I love this podcast in that way, because I think what you're doing is you're giving all of us the ability to be able to, number one, find our voice, to value our voice, 
my husband often says to me, you know, Serena, if people will shut up long enough to listen to you, they will learn something. But we can't control everybody else, right? And so if nothing else, I'm very proud to be able to be paving a path for my daughters, for my granddaughters, and my my female relatives after me to to just be strong in who they are and and just just yeah just let it be and and don't be afraid to speak because we all have something that we need to share absolutely and there's value in what all of us need to share no matter how big or small you think your voice is it deserves a seat at the table and uh I really, really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story with us and sharing your business and your company and your vision and the education piece is so valuable, I know to me, and I know it has been for a lot of other people too. So thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your story. Again, can you share with us if people are looking to reach out and connect with you online, where can they find you on the World Wide Web? So we're pretty active on social media. The Grow Facility is called Because You Can, Two Ends in Can. And I named it that because we can do anything. And I am cannabis. You can be cannabis. Uh, the Mary Jane Manor, again, is www. or maryjanemanor.ca. And, and I'm, you know, Serena Donovan on Facebook mostly. Not as active on Instagram, but yeah, we're out there. And so, yeah, feel free to reach out, hit me up for a tour. Let, yeah, let's, let's continue the conversation. Absolutely. And I will be sure to put those links in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Serena, thank you again so much for sharing your story with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story.